Should pastors be rich and have expensive things? We discuss this and more with special guest Ben Kirby of Preachers and Sneakers on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, recovering preacher's kid. And with me, as always, is my fellow preacher's kid bro co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, um, and thriving preacher's kid. I love PK. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Bragging all year. I do have some horror <laughs> stories, though. I might I might let them loose today. So we'll see. <laughs> uh well, and with us today, this is very exciting, is a very special guest. He is the creator of the viral social media sensation Preachers and Sneakers, where he humorously highlights the fashion choices of the world's most famous pastors, preachers, and worship leaders. His work has been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, GQ, and many others, most recently serving as a key character in the Discovery Plus documentary Hillsong, A Megachurch Exposed. Ben is a former Marine Corps officer, musician, and recovering sneakerhead, who now lives in Dallas, Texas with his wife and two kids. His book, Preachers and Sneakers, Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities, is published by HarperCollins and is available anywhere books are sold. He is the brilliant, the brave, the beautiful Ben Kirby. Ben, welcome to the show. Emphasis on beautiful. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. You guys Great. can see. Yeah. Yep. I've broken you know. a lot of cameras in my day, which is, I guess <laughs> maybe why I'm not an actor. Maybe more for the voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's the one I've, I go with. But uh, I'm, in, I'm in good company with today. Mul multiple preachers kids. Sorry, I was talking over you. I think there's no, no, a delay. No, no. Oh, yes. We, we are a couple preachers kids, so we're ganging up on you today. But I'm really <laughs> excited to have you. Um, I've been following your work. And for anyone listening, uh, please go check out Preachers and Sneakers. It, what I really loved about it is it, it seemed to me, like, there's this big issue that people have been talking about forever, but it seemed to be a really uh, fun and non-angry way at addressing an issue. And also, um, like I laughed a lot uh, looking at all the posts. So go check it out. It's really interesting. And it caught the attention of the entire world. So it's definitely something to check out. But I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, so today we are discussing whether or not preachers should have expensive things. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage more with our discussions and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail. I have a feeling we might be getting a couple of the uh, mm. latter today. <laughs> you can also join our online group, The Overthinkers. It's a private Facebook group where we have over 15,000 members just like Jeez. yourself. Great discussions about the deep things we talk about here, but in fun ways. And uh, don't forget all the, uh, the great memes that will be memes. there as well. <laughs> yes. And if you do enjoy this podcast, please consider le leaving us a review and sharing with a friend. It really does help so very much. Awesome. Everybody ready to get started? Let's do it. Let's do Great. it. Great. So it's no secret that the general reputation of Christian ministers has been going down in recent times. Whether it's sex scandals, abuse scandals, or divisive politics, the profession seems to rarely be in the news for anything positive. One of the hits on the reputation has been their relationship with money. Numerous megachurch and televangelist pastors like Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, and Kevin Copeland have come under fire for being multimillionaires with multiple homes and private jets, even as they take their money partly from generous donations by fans, many of whom are donating, who are poor and are donating because they're told if they donate, they will be blessed materially. Many of these pastors are a part of the controversial health and wealth or prosperity gospel movements, an offshoot of Pentecostalism in post-World War II America, 
which argues that Christians can and should expect material prosperity as a consequence of believing in God and giving generously, oftentimes including to their pastors. Many people, Christian and non-Christian, find themselves turned off by pastors with lavish lifestyles and expensive things, even if they don't technically fall within the camp of the prosperity gospel movement. They find that this implies a hypocrisy in pastors, that they aren't really pastoring in order to preach the gospel of all Jesus, or interested in or or interested in following God's commands for radical financial generosity, but rather in order to enrich themselves. Supporters of wealthy pastors who have expensive things typically argue that the Bible doesn't say that Christians shouldn't not be wealthy, just that they should be generous with their income. You can't automatically tell based on the fact that they have expensive things how generous they are with the rest of their income. So, Ben, uh, for listeners who don't know, you know much about your Preachers and Sneakers social media project, um, how did that come about? And why do you think that people have a sort of a visceral discomfort with pastors who seem to have a lot of uh, material uh, uh, exuberance. Yeah, that's a very articulate way of, of putting it. And that I, that that's the the this I don't know what's the 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 yeah, word for visceral. Like they yeah. viscerally respond to my account. Um, that's the the big question around because it's different for everybody. But the way it started was I used to be well, very much into the sneaker world. I was kind of doing some buying and selling to kind of make ends meet while I was getting my my master's. And I also, I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up in a Christian household and I'm still a Christian. And um, those two cultural um, spheres kind of collided when I, I was watching some YouTube videos because I liked worship music. And I noticed a guy was wearing some, uh, some of Kanye's Yeezys that, in the resale market, we're reselling for about seven hundred dollars at the time. They're they're probably reselling for a double now. Wow! Um, but I just made a few. I had a personal Instagram. I made a few posts, basically saying like, "Hey, how much should we?" It was Elevation Church. How much are these dudes at Elevation getting paid that they can buy eight hundred dollars Yeezys? Like, let me get on the payroll, something like that. <laughs> and um, I noticed a lot more of those videos and posts in the YouTube algorithm. Made a few more posts, and then a buddy reached out and said, "Hey, you should just do an account." showing me just those things. It seems like you understand both of these cultures really well and this there's something here. And so I came up with the name. I ported those posts over to the new Instagram, Preachers and Sneakers, and then it went viral within a month. I had 100,000 followers and was interviewing with Eat. all these media outlets and wasn't doing any ads. I wasn't doing any like SEO. I, I had nothing to hawk. I was just, all I was doing, for people that haven't seen it, I, I basically screenshot a pastor's Instagram post, zoom in on the sneakers, and then juxtapose the market price of those sneakers or the belt or the <laughs> jacket or whatever right next to it. And I really don't even have to say anything because the the photo communicates so much and is very open to interpretation. And so it caused people to lose <laughs> their minds. And um, I was kind of caught in the middle of it. This was in March of 2019. And I've been at it for... Um, to my wife's um, distaste, I've been at it for four plus years, and um, wow, yeah, that's kind of it's had varying levels of um, media attention, and it there I have a podcast. I haven't been doing it recently, but I had a podcast and a YouTube. I got a book deal. I wrote a book, and we can talk about it later. But just around some of the deeper issues around modern church mm-hmm. and our obsession with wealth and fame and celebrity, uh, or fame and um, social media, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a very um, insane cultural phenomenon that just happened um, by chance in a lot of ways, but I, I also made a point to grow it in a certain way. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's that's why I'm here, and that's how I've become a an expert in megachurches now, <laughs> or, or celebrity pastors. Now, this is this is a subject that's that's really interesting to me, and it's also very personal because, as you guys heard, and probably many of you know, I'm a pastor's kid, and my parents are not just pastors, but uh, very public Christians. And so this is something I grew up with on the kind of the other side. And so I kind of got to see behind the curtain growing up and we were in a lot of different places, a lot of different churches. And, you know, one of the things I was given, lucky, lucky enough as a, as a kid was a really beautiful view of Christianity and Jesus and generosity and this message that we see preached throughout the scripture, particularly in the New Testament, particularly by Jesus. And so I think... Um, I'm coming at this from a few different ways. One is I was given such a great view and a beautiful view of Christianity that, you know, when I moved to LA, it was this frustrating kind of reality where I kind of experienced a lot of what you're talking about, Ben, where I grew up with I watching my parents as they would give their last pennies away. They give cars away to people yeah. who need They gave everything because they had this idea in their heart that they were going to follow the message of what they found in scripture and they found in the person of Jesus, who is generosity it was uh, who te who teaches generosity and love and giving and service and so when i moved to la i remember being a bit culture shocked because i would go to these churches and i would assume the best you know and and they and they're pretty good at, at, at initially putting up the best uh, their best foot forward no pun intended um <laughs> and so you know i i would get involved in these places and it would it would take a little while but eventually i would um i would start seeing some cracks and start seeing that this thing that I had grown up, you know, understanding about the world, let's say Hollywood, that is obsessed with celebrity, that is obsessed with money and status, um, that it was it was also present in um, the churches I was at. I remember I joined a, a, a team at a church, a very popular church out here, and um, I, I was on the security team. And I remember in the, the breakdown meeting, like everyone's telling me to go on, they told me where to escort the celebrities to the front. Um, and they Ooh. told me to not look the pastor in the eye. And by the way, this pastor comes off like the nicest, friendliest guy you've ever you've ever heard and you've ever seen. Uh, he had his own private makeup artist and he had one of us, one of the security guards, make sure that none of the congregants um, would talk to him because he didn't like talking to them. And so I, I started to see this kind of disconnect in this modern Christian culture and the Christian, the Christianity that I had been shown as a kid. And so there's a lot of frustration, but there's also this other side of it where I watched people hyper um, fixate on, you know, as a pastor's kid, my parents and what they were spending and what they weren't spending. You know, my parents have never bought a new car and it's not that they couldn't have bought a new car somewhere down the line, but they chose to never buy. They've only ever bought used cars for the entirety of my lifetime. And I remember the reason being given to me was because we have a stewardship with what we've been given. And um, the way this looks to people, if we don't want to come off in a way that's going to hurt people, that's going to, way that's going to show them that we're better than them or, or um, lead them to think that we think that. And mm -hmm. so it was weird to go to L.A. and then see people driving around brand new Bentleys. Who they, you know, these pastors walk out of church and get into their um, Lamborghini. And I'm going, what is going on here? Um, but I also know the other side of that where where people would criticize um, my family if we went to Disneyland. And so there's this kind of um, this balance here where I see both sides and it's difficult to kind of parse this out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's part of a larger conversation that's around health and wealth, which is something that's been around for quite a while, mm -hmm. especially since the 70s, when you started seeing the pastors use the position to get money, to manipulate money out of people. And I and I think that while we've changed kind of the style, maybe the aesthetic 
of this. I do think that it, it you could argue that it's still alive and well in a, a new, more hipster way with a lot of modern evangelicalism. And this is by no means a takedown of Christianity. I love Christianity. I love my faith. Um, but it's something I want to see acted out um, that reflects uh, what we see in Scripture, We reflects the personhood of Jesus. So I'm kind of torn on a few different sides of this, but I'm so glad you're here to talk to it because I think this is something that is really important. And even when I see people who aren't in the church talk about the church, um, a lot of times it's these pastors out to get money. It's you know these nonprofit institutions just raking in millions. Look at what they're wearing. Look what they're doing. And you know the the Christian kid part of me wants to be like, no, we're really good and we don't do that, but we do sometimes. And so there's a lot of conflicting thoughts in my head around this issue. But Joseph, I want your thoughts, and we'll throw it back to Ben. Yeah, no, I have. I mean, I have a similar similar experience. Not the quite the the lavish Hollywood life that you know you lived back in, back <laughs> in your back in your 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 youth. Um, but yeah, I grew up a preacher's kid as well, and. I, I I did do remember the 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 difficulty of being yeah. under the scrutiny of of you know the fact that you know um, how much money we were making or spending and I know you know my mom tells stories you know before I can remember and then I remember stories of being in communities where there were a, a certain number of people at the least you know who were fairly well off and fairly wealthy you know in our church. Um, who never wanted to extend any of that wealth to the amount that the you know we were made that that uh, were made and didn't want you know to give enough where we could live in a house that was comparable to what other people in the neighborhood were making and any time that you know we were saying hey maybe we can have a raise you know for X Y reason they would look at us sort of with disgust you know mm -hmm. and and you know again people don't know you know I have you know uh, a sister who's in a wheelchair and. You know, we had, you know, you know, so they had all those additional sort of medical things we had to deal with. And, you know, I remember, you know, we couldn't, you know, afford to have a, you know, a, a wheelchair accessible van. So we kind of had to go begging to people like, can you like get this for us? Gee. And it always sort of struck me that like, you know, pastors are, you know, have the same level of education and um and and sort of work hours and responsibility as like doctors and lawyers. And that we do have a cultural expectation that they are not allowed to make as much money as those mm -hmm. people, and uh, and and that always frustrated me, you know, uh, as a pastor uh, as, is supposed to be poor. Pastor is supposed to be poor, and it's kind of like you know, like we have, it's like yeah, and, and that always frustrated me. On the other hand, like you know, I you know, I was a part of a church. Um, I will not tell people when, but <laughs> or where, <laughs> but where you know the pastors, you know, very specifically, you know. Um, you know, took a political stance and told their their congregation to take a political stance, which it required many of their congregants to lose their jobs and go on unemployment. And during that and during that time, though, they also pressured the congregation to donate money so that they could buy a really lavish house, you know, in, you mm -hmm. know, in, in, in you know, nearby. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, I've sort of been in the situation where it's like, hey, you have a lot of rich people who don't want their pastor to make nearly as much money than them. And then the other situation where there's a, like a really like wealthy pastor who wants their poor congregants to make them more wealthy. Yeah. And so I, I'm sort of, I feel like there's something wrong with both of those. Um, but what I, you know, so I'm kind of, but I also know this is an interesting thing. People that maybe don't know this, it's kind of a, a cultural thing too, because the black community in America 
really doesn't care about their pastor being wealthy. They kind of like it when their pastor is really wealthy. And so it's kind of a white Asian Christian thing to say that if a pastor's wealthy, there's something probably wrong with him. Um, mm. But uh, that's not to say it's right or wrong. But so I'm as so Ben, as somebody who has again been in this world and kind of engaging with it, where where do you see? Why do you see kind of the visceral kind of dislike of this from Christian and non-Christian alike? And what do you think like the merits of it are that is that is getting at? Yeah, I mean it. As you can tell, it's so loaded, uh, and that's what I think made the sneaker thing so like catch on like wildfire. Because it's not about the sneakers; it's about all the things that you just said. And people yeah. hadn't, or a lot of a lot of those that I had talked to and heard from hadn't contended with that idea that mm. why am I so angry that so and so is gets to hang out with celebrities or seems to be making off better than me. I mean, me personally, like we, I have my own, and I've said this on other podcasts before, like I have my own like therapy meeting issues around money and feeling like it's never mm. enough or feeling jealous or feeling like for some reason, somebody I'm donating to should not be living a better life than I am. And it wasn't mm. really based on much. It was just whatever that that's part of what I think felt that I felt the need to post or comment about anything in the first place was like mm. that made me feel some type of way, but I I didn't know why. I didn't know what it was based on. And basically every person that comes to my account has that internal thing where it feels like too much. So like if you ask somebody fascinating most most rational people would say, like, hey, what about the private jets? Most rational mm. people would say, yeah. okay, that's probably too much. Right. But, but then you go all the way back and say, okay, well, like, is an $80 pair of shoes Damn, too much or not enough? It's, but there's, everyone's got it. It's just relative and it's internal and you can't control that for other yeah. people. And so that's kind of what we're up against and hence why the conversation is so nuanced. And that's the annoying, like, three white dudes on a podcast thing to say, well, it's nuanced. <laughs> was, you said you the know. quiet thing out loud. We may, <laughs> we may never know, but let's keep talking about it. Um, but the, after having done this for four years, this, some of the conclusions I've come to is that, uh, if you truly believe and read the Bible and understand what you are called to as a pastor, which is someone who, if you believe the Bible is called to shepherd souls, well, potentially the most important job, the most important calling on someone's life, there are actual like qualifications and things that are asked of you that are not asked of other people. But, and the moment your lifestyle, your image, the things you're choosing to do with your career detract from that, that seems like an issue or at least something worth addressing. So mm -hmm. if, it, if it manifests itself as you wearing $2,000 sneakers or a big old Gucci belt and people start asking you questions about it, it I think it's um, a detriment to immediately push them off as haters where I think it's worth at least addressing um, on in the same vein th that also like if you're going to have a public platform the same for me like you need to find a way to filter criticism in a way that isn't just publicly calling everyone a hater but also filtering it through people that actually know you and trust you yeah. and they can either validate the criticism or say, nah, dude, that's not true. We know you, we love you, whatever. You saved all that sure. money. And you have to, if you're going to have a public platform, you have to have a system for that. 
because without it, you're just going to end up getting super pissed and making right. an ass out of yourself on in the comment section or on, in DMs or something, mm. and it's going to go way worse for you, even though it may not be fair. Like same, like both of your sets of parents, if they bought something nice or they bought a, even a used car that had a nice brand or a nice logo and they got called out for it, it's not fair. Um, but I think, I think maybe Nathan's parents were probably like, that's wisdom, I think, to say, okay, we are denying ourselves a new car, which would be awesome. But we know that as shepherds of other people's souls, we are called to um, at least consider how we are impacting other people, Literally. the message we're um, sending with our clothing, our purchases, all that kind of stuff. Again, it's not fair. And people's callings have different things that they have to die to. Um, no, no, no. I, I am, I'm, it's very sad, like Joseph, for the, the idea that a pastor's family would ever need or anything when it comes to taking care of their family. Mm. Like if, if they're a full-time in ministry, I do think that the church, the church body is called to support them. And it's, it's pretty gross that they would have to ask for help with a wheelchair bound child. I mean that I just having two kids of my own, I cannot fathom that, like the humility that it would take to go ask. It, it just doesn't, that doesn't, uh, as a true like community of believers, that does not compute to me that you have um, to lift a finger to try to ask for something to take care of their, like if, if they're shepherding, they're charged with shepherding your soul, it seems like you should be able to take care of them. But so in the opposite instance, right. there is something gross about using that platform as um, being called to shepherd people's souls to then market your personal brand, yeah, sell yeah, something, yeah. hawk something, take credit for worship songs and gather royalties. Like none of those things are inherently bad. But if you believe that a pastor is called to do a thing and they're spending all their time mm -hmm. on yeah. all of that additional <laughs> stuff, what are you, how do you go be a, a motivational speaker or just call yourself a preacher? I don't know. Like um, there's so many things there and it's kind of charged because everyone's got their own experiences with church sure, yeah. and money. Um, so I'll pause there, but basically if it detracts from their role of shepherding souls into eternity, yeah, um, mm -hmm. it seems like it's worth taking a look at. No, I think that's, I think that's good because, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast, we talk about incredibly divisive issues. And one of the things that we keep on coming upon is that very often what we see in culture, on social media, just in any of the issues that there's typically two extremes that exist and mm -hmm. that very often, I'm not going to say always, but health is found in that weird, murky gray middle where there's this tension, there's this, um, and I, you know, that's so cliche, right? Oh, it's just tinge. You got to find that. But I do think there is something to balance. I think we see balance in nature. This is what therapists tell us to find. Yes. Both to find balance. And I think the same can be true for the church. And so I like what you say that one, you're not making this objective rule. Pastors are not allowed to mm -hmm. have a new car, right? That That is not an objective rule. But there is this kind of concept that you're getting at, which is one, know your your role, let's say. Mm -hmm. Know your yeah. calling, which is to shepherd souls, as mm -hmm. you say, which is to pastor people, to love people, to guide people, to help yeah. them. And if something in your life is going to affect that negatively, mm -hmm. yeah. where it makes it harder to do that, um, then that's something you need to investigate and uh, and look at. And, you know, there's something in your life that separates you from someone in your mm -hmm. audience. And, and I'm not saying, you know, you have brown hair and, and someone like you with brown hair. I'm talking about 
um, if there's some major thing that you know that so that socially could separate you from someone that you are called to lead and care for, okay. then that is something to pay attention to. And I think that's something we've seen go out of the whack, mm-hmm. uh, definitely in the celebrity pastor kind of space. Um, and that being said, you know, I think there is, while there is kind of this murky middle and it's not this objective line, um, I do think there's a, a baseline. I think it's, and this is more on the congregants. This is more on um, the church itself, the people. I do think, uh, you know, to your to your story, Joseph, that there is your pastors should be taken care of. I'm not talking okay. excess. I'm not talking houses, yeah. cars, and name brand whatever. I'm talking there should be a base that your pastors are taken care of. But then it goes up to this point where is something that you have is something that you're doing detracting. And I think yeah. that's a really good point that you bring up. Then and the question I want to ask real quick before um, it goes back to you, Joseph, is have you know in in doing this, I imagine that you probably got um got a good amount of people angry i would imagine yes <laughs> you and i and so that that's never fun. no Make christian discussions now. online have gotten toxic <laughs> as a way can't do twitter anymore about? guys i cannot do twitter anymore but i but i'm curious and you uh, don't uh, feel the need to say any names or anything but have you had these pastors ever reach out to you and try to justify their usage of Lamborghinis, you know, million dollar shoes or whatever. What is their reasoning as to why that's mm. okay? Just to give them kind of a, a fair, you know, m- m- more or less in their own words. Have you, one, have you had them reach out? And two, what is generally, or, you know, maybe just people who are defending them, what's generally the reasons why they say this is okay? Yeah. In in the first two years, all the time, I mean, I, mm. I've wow. had a lot of healthy conversations and some like very unhealthy one-sided long paragraph conversations <laughs> where um they were pretty disappointing and kind of seeing like true colors type thing and i see your true colors it it all varies like some of these guys are are text buddies with justin bieber and so bieber it is nothing for bieber who has unlimited money to just give them whatever he wants to give them and often and- it can be tens of thousands of dollars of designer clothes or a $50,000 watch or an exquisite vacation. Um, and so in those situations, oftentimes the, the implication is like, so what is the right thing to do there if, you know, I'm mentoring Bieber and this is just an example from like four years ago. I don't know sure. if these guys, um, but at the time Bieber was going through a lot of stuff. He had all these pastors that were helping him out. And so what's the right thing to do in that situation where you have somebody who's genuinely like grateful for your help and you have all these resources and you want to say thanks, like is the right thing to do, um, is the right thing to do to just say, no, dude, I don't want people on the internet to criticize me or is it to like accept the gift and then find a way to maybe not flaunt it on the internet. It's like, it was that kind of stuff where it's like, dude, come on, man. Like, you know, I didn't pay for any of this and I've never claimed I've known who pays for what. I just, I've just claimed what the the market price of the clothing is. Um, so it's some stuff like that, which opens up all these other rabbit trails around like, yeah. okay, so now you have fame by proximity. And now are you leveraging this person's fame to build your own fame and sell your own books and go like get your own conferences, conference tickets Double. sold, that kind of stuff. And then others, um, uh, I mean, others have super lame arguments around like, hey, this is how I reach the youth. This is how I um, influence. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, I, this I is how I youth. influence young people. How do you do, fellow kids? 
and my response has always been like, dude, that's pretty thin. Like, that's a pretty thin guy to say like, ah, man, I can't use you to reach people unless you wear this very expensive clothing. I don't know. Um, and so it's varying levels of stuff like that. A lot of gifts, like as you've probably experienced, mm -hmm. um, people want to bless their pastors or, and yeah, yeah. some people are super generous and will just like leave cash or like give a house yeah. or, um, like our, our pastor here in Dallas, I'm 90% sure was gifted this really nice house in the best part of Dallas. Um, and people will do that kind of stuff all the time. They'll put them on their private jet to go on vacation for their family. Um, people, when they're grateful for something or like how you've ch helped change their life, they're willing to go all out for you. And so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. but if you zoom out in a macro level, well, now we're talking about like this whole cultural thing where now we have a lot of pastors that are taking very curated pictures on yachts with Kanye and Khloe right. Kardashian. Um, and also like getting to go through department stores and pick out whatever they want. And they're posting about it and the paparazzi's following them yeah. and they're getting million dollar book advances. They're getting movie deals. They're getting billboard chart topping like uh, music that they're putting out. So it's just from macro level, it seems like it's a cultural thing. Like what is going on, dude? Like yeah. all of this stuff does not relate to like helping people grow in their faith. Um, and it cool. does maybe, seem, Oh yeah, no, finish. I'm sorry. Continue. I was just saying, Maybe like individually, some of this stuff does, but as a macro level, it seems like we care or a lot of modern, attractive, hip type churches care a lot about the branding, the um, influence of their main pastor yeah, and pastor's wives at the top. There's a lot of stuff that's just occurring that seems like not what Jesus would care about. And then uh -huh. comes the inevitable question like, oh, would Jesus have an iPhone? It's like, okay, yes, like I'm not a legalist, but I'm saying like, do you deny I, the pattern that it seems like you can get pretty wealthy and famous and have influence uh, from being a good looking, well-spoken pastor. It's just like, dude, at least be willing to ask the question around why you have a million followers and why people are trying to throw money at you and all that kind of stuff. This is, and real quick, and I'm going to throw it to you, Joseph, but you know, something you said is, it's interesting. Um, well, one, uh, it, it it sounded like a joke when you said, it, like, how many pastors does it take to help Justin Bieber? The world may never know. Um, it does. <laughs> like, it took a lot to help him. Like, I've never had five pastors um, all trying to mentor me at once. Um, it sounds fun. You know, I help Sean. He, he but... also has a very special uh, circumstance where he literally can't go anywhere without causing a riot. And so that, I, yes. at least, I at least give... Uh, have some grace on that because it he's like no Absolutely. other type of situation no no uh, that was just my my comic <laughs> mind thinking how many bastards to take to help with justin bieber. Yeah, but, that's right. but i actually really like justin bieber i think he yep. does great catching music um so there's nothing there but i it is curious you know thinking about let's say let's take bieber no one's mad and not very many people are mad that he's rich right no right. one's mad that he's famous yeah. or has a lot of followers there's something that we feel when we think about the title of pastor, the role of pastor, yeah, um, not pop star. I, I, I've never heard anyone be like, you know, Justin Bieber shouldn't have that many followers morally or ethically or have that well, much money. Yeah. But there is something that his pastors, when they have money or followers, yeah. that we feel. And I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. But Joseph, do, it, do you know what I mean by that? Oh, 100%. Is, well, this is, I, this is sort, sort of what I was alluding to where it, when I was talking about like, Oh, like, you know, 
pastors have the same education and work hours responsibility as a doctor or a lawyer. And it's like, a doctor or a lawyer makes all that money. We say, well, duh, they should, you know, because they're doing important work. And there's always mm -hmm. this conversation about like, you know, why aren't teachers making more? You know, because like, mm -hmm. don't we value teachers? Like we, yeah. we always put money into things we value. So if we value, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, 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 so it's like, you know, why shouldn't, why shouldn't pastors be making a lot of money if we actually value what they do? And so there, there is that, you know, element of it. I think that, that, again, like I'm sympathetic to that. I say like, yeah, it's a society. If we care about these people and our money is a reflection of, of how we value them. On the other hand, I think that there are a couple of things. Again, if I were to sort of psychologize, you know, the, the instinctive visceral kind of grossed out repugnance we have toward this i would i would i would guess and let's see what you guys think about this is that there are you know sort of two aspects of it one is the fact that you know in the bible there are some clear things that it talks about about you know like we like you are supposed to be a model and example for other christians you know you are supposed to avoid pretty much anything that could make you know, that could make scandal, you know, like uh, Paul talks in Thessalonians, I think it's first Thessalonians about, he's saying, look, I went out of my way to even not do things that I should, could do. Like I could say, Hey, all you guys, you should support me because I'm here preaching the gospel. But he knew that people at the time, you know, traveling philosophers had a reputation of like taking everybody's money and sleeping with the women and then leaving. And so he was saying like, look, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what these other people are doing. Just so you all know, I'm here for the gospel and nothing else. And so that is part of the history of Christianity of like our, you know, our founding fathers of Christianity saying, I'm, I'm going to overcompensate to avoid, you know, a bad reputation yeah. that could hurt the gospel. And so we do have like in our history, that expectation sort of of pastors and of Jesus saying like, that's, that is a standard to go by. Um, we also have, I think, a sort of a negative history of saying like, we've seen ways this can go wrong. And we're seeing signs that you might do this too. Like, again, how many pastors have we seen that have mm -hmm. either A, you know, um, you know, gotten really wealthy and it turns out they've been laundering money. They've been stealing from as you know, it turns out, as it turns out they were just, you know, Elmer Gantry style, you know, stealing from it. Like we've had enough of those that were a little bit like, you know, like have some mm -hmm. PTSD and kind of like, you know, a little triggered as we, it's a little triggered by things that look like it could be that or yep. for example you know that in the bible talks about this too we have examples of you know how again people the church does favoritism towards famous people and so it says yep. okay i'm gonna treat the famous people or the rich people like in paul's day talking about rich people is like he says look don't show favoritism toward rich people in church but that we see that happen often enough that even when it's innocent we are suspicious of it and so there is right. something to pastors saying, okay, just like we do with, you know, Supreme Court justices or like, you know, politicians like, hey, maybe stay away from having too close friendships from donors and lobbyists mm -hmm. who we think might try to influence you in this way. It's not entirely irrational to say what safeguards are we putting in place and what are pastors doing to avoid these typical scandals that happen. Does humans, that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, and Ben, yeah. I want to throw this back to you because I, I want to make sure to get to this part, yeah. which is really, I think, the heart of it, which is we have scripture, right? We can all mm -hmm. open the Bible and see kind of the life that God calls us to. And we can even see a really clear definition of the life 
um, God calls pastors to, which is a right. really particular calling. And it's one that Paul points out it is a position of, I hate to use, you know, um, zeitgeist phrases, but it, it is, it's a position of power and right. influence over people. And, you know, we, we see the verse where it says you cause any of these people to stumble. And I take that to mean you hurt anybody. You, you steal from, you manipulate. Right. You, there's a lot of um, scriptural evidence to back up that it, that God takes how you utilize the power you are given very seriously. And there's also this component in scripture of generosity and giving. Yeah. And, um, and so I think we have a clear, a clear picture very often in scripture of how both pastors and Christians in general are supposed to live. And it's giving, it's serving, it's loving. Mm -hmm. um, but there's no specific, you know, you can only make this much a year or whatever. Right. But what do you think that, that kind of, scripture not not to put you on the spot like you know give me a verse and but what, what do you think the overarching themes of scripture tell us about how pastors should live monetarily um and how we ought to live and, and why this is a good or necessary thing yeah man yeah i'm gonna have to bust out some like sword drills to bring up some references <laughs> on some of this i mean joseph already kind of like pulling out first thessalonians quotes is is going above and beyond um, the, yes. the thing, the thing that I default to that's just like super, uh, like baby Christian stuff is like the fruits of the spirit. Like typically, mm. like if, if we are displaying the fruits of the spirit, it feels like that. And then this is such a millennial conversation. It feels like, um, that's <laughs> the, like I'm making my own truth. You're on a podcast, but, man. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, to me, uh, there are, yes, there are definitive, qualifications and callings in like Titus and first Timothy uh, around like deacons, leaders, that kind of thing, overseers. Um, and for us, it's not that we aren't called to anything either. Like mm -hmm. Jesus yeah. definitely lays out what the fruits of the spirit are, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Like self-control is definitely one of them. And somewhere in there, I think like a modesty and humility also yes. could be sub fruit to the spirit. Um, and so that's the lens that I, I typically would, it's, it's just uh, like certain characters and brands and um, celebrity pastors have a way, to me, it's shocking that more people aren't like, dude, this is about you. And it seems so obvious. Um, and that's what I was going to say earlier when uh, Joseph was saying so, many, so much good stuff. Um, I wrote down, like, I, I try. Who, are you, who are you building <laughs> up? Like the, the Bieber versus the pastor thing. Like Bieber is to elevate himself. Like if he is going to be a great pop star, he is about making himself popular. And no one blames him for that. But a pastor is there to, if you believe what the Bible says, is to point people to and elevate the name of Jesus and not his own. But it starts to get really confusing yeah. when you see hit a very curated personal brand online and a lot of mm -hmm. things going really well for that person that is that are self-serving and sure yeah. in the name of um, Christianity or whatever. And I don't want to be in the business of like auditing if it's actually furthering the kingdom or not, because it's again, like it's kind of one of these impossible answers. But um, the other thing I think going back, um, Joseph, to what you were talking about. The also like because you brought up the Supreme Court justices. The big thing that makes it grosser, uh, more gross when talking about pastors is the idea that at least historically they were supported by donations, and mm. most people that donate any kind of like meaningful money, um, unless they just completely are so secure in 
giving and spending all that kind of stuff. But me, whenever I give or support somebody and then see them go buy an expensive right. engagement ring or go on a honeymoon, there's something in me that's like, dude, WTF, bro? Like, what am I supporting? Am I supporting the engagement ring or am I go supporting on. your ministry? And some of that is me projecting. And again, Nathan, you mentioned the therapy. Like, there needs to be some balance because yep. you end up being an a-hole if like, dude, yeah. come on, bro. I gave you $50 this month <laughs> and you went on a honeymoon. Come on. Um, but it is that what I found over the last four years is that because at least it's implied that they are supported in some way by donations, then as someone receiving those donations, you would think that a wise person would at least try to display a level of maturity and stewardship around, or at least call out and uh, have a reverence to the fact that they're receiving donations from people that probably can't afford it. That like we right. are called to give generously to probably the point of pain and um, are, we are to give in in faith that God is going to use that money to further the kingdom. But it's just kind of, it feels kind of gross still when it seems like, oh, they're going on lavish vacations yep. and yep. writing and selling New York Times bestselling books. Like, dude, what, what, what part of this am I funding? Um, so, uh, and then no, I, you, uh, the last thing you said, oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. what, what controls in, do you have in place? Another thing that is so shocking to me that we still, like some of the most famous churches right now are led by like a single pastor and wife mm -hmm. and maybe they do have controls in place, but I see some of these guys that continue to everything they touch turns to gold, buying a bunch of real estate through the church, writing books that sell millions of copies, like becoming producers and stuff on movies and all that's great. But in my mind, I'm just like, all right, good luck, bro. I mean, how many yep. examples do you need of money corrupting or yep. fame corrupting? Like to me, I've had a very small taste of it and it is intoxicating. And it is yeah. like, I have this like angel wife that has been so like kept me out of so much trouble. And like, I don't, they do she's that. not a crutch. She, she's not a crutch, but she has kept me out of a lot of trouble. And it's been helpful to have other people that mm -hmm. can shoot me straight. And some of these guys do not have that. Yeah. They have unlimited money, unlimited mm. power over people that are vulnerable and like your spiritual life potentially is the most like important right. yeah. aspect of your life. And these people have con some control or influence over it. That's power, bro. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot there. It's just to me, when I see a pastor continuing to grow and do really well and get really famous and on Good Morning America, all that good stuff. I'm at least just like, okay, good luck. Like, I hope, I hope yeah. that you're taking this as serious as this could be because one bad DM or one like misstep, yeah. all of this could come crumbling down and a lot of people's faiths could be crumbling too yeah. if they're like idolizing that person. So no, I'll, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head and we'll wrap up soon. I'll give you the last word, but, um, one, it, it was interesting to think about and I, we didn't really talk about yeah. this and just for another episode, but. You know, there is something I've seen in common that many of these places we see this happening in the, okay. in the modern day. It used to happen more in kind of the mainline places. Now it's happening non-denominational, but you talk about accountability, your wife, your friends, whoever it might yep. be, who have helped you. But in non-denominational, there isn't always that structure yep. that keeps people accountable. And so I think that could be a factor in yep. why you see it happen so uh, prevalently in the non-denominational um, evangelical space. Mm -hmm. But I think you, um, earlier in your statement, you hit it on the head where, you know, scripture talks about one of the things that's told to all of us, and is it a kind of an overarching theme throughout the Old and New Testament, is this idea of our lives are for others. Because God gave his life mm -hmm. to us, so we right. give our lives to others. 
And so, you know, a pop star, an actor, um, whoever else, their life is about them. And I'm not, that's not a criticism. That's just the reality. You know, even, you know, my agent all the time is like, hey, you got to post more on, uh, on Instagram. And I'm like, I really don't want Because you're always to... auditioning, essentially. To be... Literally, I, I'm told by my agents that you're a brand. And I'm like, eh, that's right. I, I don't, I hate that because yep. I'm a person. Mm -hmm. But that's the reality of, say, uh, celebrity, right? Pop yep. star. I'm, I'm by no means a celebrity. I just mean that's what you have to do to get there. Yep. And, but when it comes to Christianity, the entire focus, even of Jesus's life, you know, the quote, oh. King of Kings is about other people. I, I came to serve, not to be served. And so I think that's a good concept to keep in our head when we're evaluating all this stuff is that Christianity is about us giving our lives for other people, us giving things. And so when we have an image of us taking, us earning, us um, uh, us getting, be it fame or dollars for ourselves, it can be, it can come in conflict with our ability to actually serve and give to others. And so I think that's a concept I'm going to keep in my mind after this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but I, one last question, uh, just, you know, is there any other thoughts or things we missed on this before we go that you want people to know that we should be thinking about as we head out? Uh, I would just say like for the, the Christian audience, my whole thing is I don't completely understand why that I was God either allowed or let this happen to me and in my life. Um, I, I have not done like run this account, this brand, whatever you call it perfectly most of us aren't really equipped to have a platform this large right. and so if i can just get people to if they have a faith like take it seriously like if you actually yeah. believe that eternity is at stake and that um there is a creator of the universe don't treat it like a game don't go to a church yeah. because it's a brand or that the people are cool or the music is good because inevitably like you saw with hillsong your faith will erode it wants the the pinnacle of that faith or church or group um, disappoints you or mistreats you, like all of that, your faith will erode. And so um, try to understand why you believe what you believe, take that faith seriously and be secure in that. And for people that don't have a faith, uh, I would, I would encourage you to like, at least dig into the biggest, largest churches are the ones that kind of set the the narrative and the okay. tone around what Christianity is, but there are a lot of us that are trying to wrestle through some of these things that are difficult. And I like I looked at some of your previous episodes. Like I know y'all have kind of tried to talk about some of these divisive topics that don't have great pretty answers, and that there are people that um, believe in this stuff that aren't like January sixth, like storming the Capitol. Like we're trying to figure out for ourselves that that we're not perfect, that we're trying to figure out why we believe the things that maybe we were brought up to believe. I don't know. I, I, I just want people to take their faith seriously, or if they Amen. don't have a faith to, um, maybe consider it, or at least, um, ask hard questions of things that you care about. And, um, I don't know, define, I'm rambling a bit now, but basically like, if you don't have a faith, take the things you care about seriously um, don't be afraid to ask questions, but also be open to additional or like, especially on the internet, like be open to other forms of thinking or worldview because it's very hard to be nuanced on the internet. And so yep. I, I think what you said earlier and something I'm trying to always work on is balance. And <laughs> if you can strive just a little bit, 1% each day to try to find some balance and that things aren't so black and white in a lot of different arenas, that feels like 
if I can encourage people to do that, that feels worthwhile and that feels makes the account worthwhile. Um, so Amen. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. And like, I, I don't, I have two kids now and I don't spend a ton of time on the internet now just because like I, I sell software full time and then try to be a dad <laughs> and a husband uh, full time as well. And so my days of like nine to 12 hours on Instagram a day are probably over, but um, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here. Really like, um, oh, what's the word? A, it's, I've been selling all day. And so my brain is, it's a stimulating, <laughs> stimulating great. conversation with you guys. Like I really appreciate your questions. I appreciate the way you articulate things and, um, grateful Thank to know you, you guys now. Oh. And hopefully we can, um, stay in touch and hopefully I can, um, uh, you know, build off Nathan's fame and get my own acting role soon. <laughs> I think you've got way more than me and plenty of your own, but I thank, thank you I so much. That. Thank you so Search much. We're going to clip that and use that for our brand building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, well, I do have two confessions. Um, I do have a knockoff pair of Yeezys that I love and I just bought a full, uh, full, full transparency. They were $25. So if you're ready to you probably from the same factory out. as the real ones. And, <laughs> I still occasionally listen to a good Hillsong banger. Those songs, I gotta say, they've got the, they've got the formula down. Yeah, <laughs> they, no, they really. No, oh, man, they just got yeah, it. Uh, they do it the, the music, best on the music front, guys. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you so much for being here. This yeah, been thank great. you. And of course, Absolutely. now we're going to move on to one of our favorite segments, and we have two. So you know, um, is the blesses and curses of the week, where we take a work of art, media, or resource that we want to recommend, i.e., bless. Um, or uh, we want to diss, i.e. curse. So we always, of course, allow our um, our guests to uh, join us with that, either to bless or curse or both. Um, so would you like to uh, go first? Do you want to go have us uh, go uh, first to get- uh, Y'all go a... first to set the tone. And then exactly. I'll, I'll okay, try cool. to one cool. right. I'll, I'll give mine. I, I, I came prepared this time. If you listen to this podcast often, you know that I'm rarely prepared for any of it. Um, but this time <laughs> I am with my blesses and curses. Um, so I'm going to bless um, a movie. Uh, it's a movie I had the pleasure and honor of helping to produce and I uh, appear in it. It's by a friend of mine who made a movie called Ragamuffin, which is a biopic about one of my favorite guys, Rich Mullins. Um, but this movie is one of his more recent movies called God's Fool. It's a modern retelling of the St. Francis story. And St. Francis was, if you don't know him, a, um, a an incredibly influential guy in Christendom, mm -hmm. and uh, one of his you know, big moments was he walked up to his very rich father and um, dropped all of his his, his fancy clothes on the floor. Uh, they're naked in front of uh, all at some fancy party, and says, "I'm following Jesus," and walks out the door and spends the rest of his life giving and serving people. So it's a modern retelling of that. It takes place in New York City around a guy who kind of does the same kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I I love this this little indie movie and um, check it out. It's it's, it's cool much where you can stream movies. Um, but yeah, I love it and I love uh, the filmmaker's heart. And um, David David Schultz is a is a great guy and has a great heart around this stuff. Um, I'm also going to bless a book that I read as a kid and I still think about it sometimes. It's called God Smuggler. It's about a missionary, um, his brother Andrew, um, and he went around smuggling Bibles and helping people and supporting people and building you know, houses around the world and all these areas that were like impossible to get into. And uh, what I love about the story is he lives in a way where he's, I don't know how to say this without sounding too, uh, too Christianese, but he, he, he lived in a way where his life depended on God, where he wasn't <laughs> after fame. He wasn't after money. Um, and he, because of that, he saw God show up with just what he needed, 
not excess, but God always showed up with what he needed. And I thought it was a really beautiful story um, that might encourage you and give you a picture of what it looks like to live a life after God and and having enough. And enough is a whole concept we could spend three hours talking about um, that we just don't, we don't grasp in this modern society mm -hmm. enough. Because um, I don't have enough. I'm never going to have enough. Um, <laughs> another pair of fake Yeezys. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to move on to my curse. And um, I didn't actually hate this show. I actually really enjoyed it. I got a lot of, I got a lot of the yucks out of it. It's was, it was very funny. It has a lot of people I really like in it. But I'm going to do a slight curse for the Righteous Gemstones. Not for any like... Um, logistic reasons as far as like it's acted well it's funny it's written well um my my one complaint is i do have a problem when people outside of a group make fun of a group they're not a part of and so i i i say the same thing <laughs> to christians like hey guys maybe don't make a thing entirely around this other group that's not you what i really like is self-deprecation <laughs> um so i had no problem with the jokes i pretty much agreed with a lot of them but what I don't like is when other groups ignore the problems that are going on in their own particular group to then go and make fun of another group. And that's, you know, it came out at a time when Hollywood was going through a lot of stuff and a lot yeah. of stuff was coming out. <laughs> and they thought it would be like the right time to pick on a community that they weren't a part of. And so um, so that'd be my only complaint is really. Yeah. How, how do I say this? I, I want and maybe it's because Christians aren't self-deprecating enough that this yeah. did do well. Then maybe Christians need to be start doing more self-deprecating kind of art and and kind of point out the stuff. You know, Ben, like your like your <laughs> account. I think that's a really you are a Christian, but you're also willing to poke fun at and kind of search and explore some of these things that you yeah. know, we need to pay attention to. So, um, Christians uh, and any group make fun of yourselves more so you can actually become better. Um, and other groups. Make sure to pay attention to your own stuff before you go about making other. So I'm going to say that log be the log in your own eye principle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible, that's good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm on the same vein. I've got a couple of movies I'm going to bless and curse. Um. One is an only but a goodie. Nobody's going to be surprised that on this topic that I'm blessing this movie, but it's one of my favorite faith based movies. It's called Believe Me. It's by a uh, great filmmaker, William Bakke, and, and his team, Riot Studios. And it's about, it's kind of a modern send-up of the Elmer Gantry story, where it's about a bunch of college students that try to scam Christians with a fake charity. And so they do that by learning all the lines, how do Christians talk, how do they, you know, and and so it's a big, it's, it's kind of like the Babylon Bee before the Babylon Bee, deconstructing all the buzzwords that Christians use and all the cultural things in order to pass off that you're really sincere when you may not be. And what's great is it is, again, it is a movie that is by Christians kind of poking fun at themselves from the inside and, but they're very sincerely pro-Christian and pro-Jesus and even pro the church. But it is very much about deconstructing why is it that we have had a problem, maybe not a bigger problem than other people in communities have had, but why have we had a problem with being able to be fooled by people who weren't as sincere than, than they seem to be. And it's like deconstructing mm -hmm. those buzzwords that we, signals that we use to say, okay, this person is trustworthy when maybe those aren't the best signals to use. So it's a, I think it's a very funny movie and a very a good movie, but yes. Well, and I'm going to add the real reason to see is because Ron Swanson makes a cameo yes. as well as for all you Christian kids out there, Lecrae makes a cameo. So nice. that's the only reason you to watch it, but it's, Le I Le agree with me. Lecrae a has a cameo as a 
a, a Christian actor in a Christian movie that people are watching in the movie. It's it's, it's really great. It's the only example I can think of really where Christians are brave enough to kind of poke fun of themselves. When, when so, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. So, so yeah, it's a good, it's a very, so I definitely, if you haven't seen it and you are a Christian, uh, I definitely 100% recommend checking it out. Um, on the curse side, um, I'm actually going to curse an Oscar winning film, uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which oh. I wrote a review of it when it came out in uh, Religion Unplugged. I have a regular uh, review column there, shameless plug. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have no trouble with people, you know, taking on, you know, the topic of, you know, scandals of evangelicals past or present. But what I do, when again, when when any time that, you know, sort of to Nathan's point about attack going after a group, any time that you're going after a group and watching a fall from grace, particularly a group that you're not a part of, but even if it's a group part of, there it should be from a stance of I want to understand these people and where they're coming from and why they did what they did. And the movie, to me, didn't really spend any time understanding these people. They spent mm -hmm. most of the time in the sort of um, uh, voyeuristic pleasure of watching the ball. And mm -hmm. I thought, that's just an anti-human way to tell a story. Kind Taking of a caricature-creating right. way. It, because there's no none of that empathy, that digging of, okay, okay, why do these people believe these weird things? And what was the thing that made them susceptible? Because there was no investigation into that it became kind of just like making fun of the weird kids at the lunch table. Mm -hmm. And so that I thought it failed as a piece of art for that reason. Um, and as an exploration of this topic. So those would be my blesses and curses. So Ben uh, had a chance to see how we fumble through this. Uh, so what would you want to either uh, bless or curse or both to people? Yeah, it's tough to follow a, a true film critic, but I'll I'll try my best. I know, I know. Uh, but you'll do well, um, I'm sure. Let's see, two things to bless. I have two books to bless. Um, nice. One, just around this topic that we're talking about, one is called Celebrities for Jesus by Caitlin Beatty. I uh -huh. said her last name right. Nice. Um, she, her book came out, I think, at the beginning of this year, and it talks about a lot of the things that we, we've talked well, about, kind of giving a landscape yeah. of the current church. And then one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best authors of our time, Kate Bowler, uh, wrote a book called Blessed. And mm. you don't know Kate? She's um, she's a professor of theology, I think, at Duke Divinity School. I'm going to butcher wow. it. I'm sorry, Kate. But is an incredibly smart person. She Her whole thesis at Duke Divinity School um, was around the prosperity gospel, which well, turned into this book called Blessed. And I reference it a lot in the book that I wrote um, because it's just jam packed with like actual, it's not opinions. It's very like factual. It's got data. It talks about the growth of the kind of seeker sensitive church movement in the eighties and how kind of it started to look more like um, a capitalistic type thing, which the way she writes is very approachable. It's very Funny. digestible. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. And she's, she's written several other books. But the thing about Kate is she wrote this thesis about, um, the prosperity gospel. She literally flew with Benny Hinn and some of these other um, prosperity pastors all over the world and interviewed them and watched them kind of live this, this lifestyle. Um, guys that seemingly have the answer for like health and wealth. And then she gets diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Um, wow. I think it was colon cancer, like literally a death sentence. And um, so she's coming rights from this perspective that is very unique and yeah. 
I I cannot recommend her enough. Um, So her and Caitlin's books um, are top notch. So I bless those. Curse, since we're on the kind of like entertainment side for curses, um, I'd written two down, but I think the one that gave me the most heartburn was the final season of Manifest. Did y'all ever watch Manifest? I did not. I watched the first three seasons. I didn't make it to the final. Uh, it, I, well, it was so much work to get to the end. It had so <laughs> many, and it starts out season one, had like so much potential. And basically, net, it, I think it got canceled and then Netflix bought, yes. bought it in order to like- Oh, okay. Um, Land the, plane, so to speak. Land the plane. Land the plane. You beat me to it, but uh, uh, it was so just all over the place. It it had mm. this kind of strange faith element to it, and it was so disappointing. My wife and I were just so pissed, or I was pissed at the end, just because like, um, it almost seemed like they had given up, and they were just wow. kind of landing the plane to land the plane to make see it, like make the fans not mad. But I really didn't like it. And then you you may have written a review on this, Joseph. I'll, I'll have to look, but um. And this it's strong to say curse this because it is so hard to make a movie in and of itself. Like or, yeah. it is not lost on me that it takes so much to or, get a movie to theaters, or, so many people. And so I do not like uh I have so much more respect now having met some people that are in that industry than before. Um, but I've got a curse uh, the movie Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Did you write a review on oh, man, that? Man, I did not. Oh, oh, oh. I missed that one. Another, another right. co- a co-worker of mine at the publication took that one on. I, I, I really wanted it to be great. It was a lot of the things that I... Sterling K. Brown. Right, right. Oh. Like, huge fan. And um, a huge fan of his, his uh, co-star. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking I, about. I say I'm a huge fan, but I can't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> um and I even had the opportunity to do some promotion around it, but we couldn't get it um, to work between both of our camps. But it was just it, the the final product wasn't. Um, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. I, I would I would love your like thoughts on it if you get a chance to watch it okay. um, again. Uh, kind of what you both had mentioned. It's tough. Regina Hall. To, Regina Hall. Regina. Yeah, yeah. And she's great. Both of these people are like amazing. Oh yeah, actors in their own right. And so you want it to do well. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. A very gentle cursing of honk yep. for Jesus, save your soul. But you watch it and let me know if you disagree. Okay. Um, because I'm just a layman. So that's that. those are the ones that I would say. Makes sense. Nice. Well, no. Ian, thank you so much for being here today. I, I think our listeners are going to love uh, this conversation and whether or not they agree with us or disagree with us. But if people want to get in touch with you or engage with your work, um, buy your book, um, or just send you some hate mail for all the crazy <laughs> things you said today. <laughs> Where can people go? Where can people find your stuff? Yeah. Um, preachersandseekers.com has links to everything. Um, I am probably most active on Instagram and trying to be active on threads, I guess, when my <laughs> free 15 minutes a day. I haven't crossed then, over yet. <laughs> yeah, I've got- um, I just, Another social media uh, side tool. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost deflating. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel by the same name, Preachers and Sneakers, that I haven't made, I haven't uploaded things in, I don't know, about a year or so, but there's a lot of like legacy content mm-hmm. if you're curious cool. about my takes on things. Um, so yeah, but again, I people can buy the book if they want, or they can listen to the podcast. Cool. I don't really care. Um, all of this is gravy to me. So um, I'm just grateful to have cool conversations with guys uh, like you and gals. Um, cool. And uh, I appreciate you guys giving me some space and time. 
Awesome. We we love having you. And hey, if you want to get in touch with the Overthinkers, go to the OverthinkersJournal.com. Uh, join our online Facebook group. It's a lot of fun and a lot of memes. Um, and if you want to get intellectual touch, memes, intellectual memes, uh, you can go to NathanClarkson.me. You can also search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials or check out my most recent book called Finding God in Hollywood, mm-hmm. where I actually talk about uh, some of the experiences that I had with church that I referenced earlier, uh, churches here in, in Hollywood and, and celebrity and fame and, and Christianity and faith. So check out my book, Finding God in Hollywood. Joseph? You can find me on any of the socials as well. Uh, and also josephholmstudios.com is my website. And of course, you can find regular columns by me and Religion Unplugged. I also have some stuff in Unexpected Journal and relevant. Yeah, this has been a great episode. I think, you know, for me, I've, what I've taken from this is your life has to demonstrate Christ. And so e- even if if, you're, if your life is demonstrating that, you know, you buy expensive things, it should also demonstrate that you're being very generous also. That's right. And, that's right. and so that's, I'm really getting a lot out of it. So I'm really appreciative for your, um, for your being here, helping me think through some of that stuff I've been thinking about. Uh, and thank Absolutely. you everybody so much for joining us today. And remember, If it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.